This is the Matt Townsend Show. I would suggest you forge more character. Your guide on the side. Uh, it's, it's these interruptions that are there to teach you the lessons we need to live. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. On BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, here to give you Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Well, it's finally arrived. Today's the big day, and we are glad that you are spending Thanksgiving with us here on the Matt Townsend Show. I know the first thing that comes to your mind when you're thinking about Thanksgiving. If you're like any other average human being, your mind automatically skips over, you know, the history of the pilgrims and the Native Americans and goes straight to the pumpkin pie. I think we're all pretty excited for the food tonight. If it's not the pumpkin pie, then it's probably the turkey or the cranberry sauce, or the mashed potatoes. But whatever it is, you're also probably seeing all those calories rack up in your mind. And this is only the beginning of a lot of holiday calories. But I feel like talking about calories kind of ruins the holiday spirit for me. And I don't think that that's the first thing we should be thinking about So to ease your mind, I'm going to start off today's episode with a segment from health coach Karen Mangum, and she's going to give us a few easy tips on how we can stay healthy tonight at the Thanksgiving feast and the rest of the season, but still be able to enjoy the festivities. No, I love, uh, I I met you the other day, and um, I'm just impressed with your kids, but I'm impressed too that if you go to your website, uh, Inside Karen's Kitchen, you you're a nutritionist, you know, first and foremost, you're not. I mean, you raise these incredible kids, but you're trying to make them healthy as well. Well, I'm I'm a mommy first, but I've also been um, in, enjoyed a career as a registered, registered dietitian for over 30 years. And uh, in fact, in the last 15 years, I have been focusing on what's called bariatric nutrition. Mm. And that is individuals who are preparing for or who have had weight loss surgery. So I learned a great deal about, you know, losing weight and keeping it off and uh, what's important and particularly at the holidays. I mean, this is a tough time. There's no question. It really is. It's it's a dangerous time, it seems like, because there's certain things that only come out at this time of year. Uh, Fruitcake, Thank heavens. Um, but eggnog that we we just got to try it all. How do we how do we go about trying it all um, and not, you know, end up losing our waistline? Well, you want to enjoy a few things now and then. There's no question that as there is, you know, the, as you said, this is a special time for certain things that mean a lot to you. And if there's some real you know, um, emotional con- connection with certain things, then you want to allow yourself those things. But there, there can be balance. There really can be. And here's a little tip that I think that most of your listeners might appreciate, and that is that, you know, in January we start these health goals, but I would suggest that you actually start thinking about them now. Mm. Think about, you know, go ahead and think about your health and staying healthy, but also trying to fit in a few of your favorite things and being being very selective. So it kind of starts with establishing some patterns during the holidays, just like you would in January. Establish some patterns. You know, um, get up, maybe get some exercise in if you can, because obviously if we can work out, if we can move our bodies earlier in the day, we're more likely to get that done than if we wait till the end of the day. We're too tired. There's too much to do. Events, parties. Um, I don't know about you, but there's lots of things going on in the evenings, mm. it seems, this time of year, where in the mornings, maybe that's a better time. Get up a little bit earlier and get some body movement in. Because that's the key. Um, it seems then, like once you're moving and you get the body going, yeah. uh, it makes it easier to kind of keep it going. Exactly. And even if you just establish a pattern, maybe three times a week Now, nothing, you know, not like every day, just get some movement going. I think that's a way to help. Uh, It also motivates you to be more selective in your food choices, too, knowing that I'm working out, I'm trying to stay healthy um, and always eat a breakfast. That's something really, really key to get the day going. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people think, I'm going to 
I'll, I'll save all my calories for that holiday party or uh, for the goodies at work. Um, but it's really a good idea to just go ahead and establish a good pattern of eating a breakfast, some type of protein, um, and a fresh fruit and raw vegetables, something um, like an egg omelet or um, even a smoothie uh, or um, oatmeal with fruit and a little nuts on top. You know, so something that will keep you going all day long. Mm. And you um, you make it a point to one of your rules is aim for five fruits or veggies a day. Our goal is to That's hit a, hit the mark of really five. That's a good goal. And, and I know that doesn't always include, you know, um, all the goodies too. But yeah. if, if you can try to focus on getting some type of fruit or vegetable. So in the morning, you know, that's sometimes a hard time. But um, every day I'll just grab like a, a an apple and some string cheese. And if I'm late, I'll, that's what I'll eat on the way to work, listening to your show mm. on the way to work. and um, Or I'll uh, grab, uh, if I have time, I'll make an um, omelet with some vegetables in it. And that's a way to get some of those fresh fruits and veggies in the morning. At lunchtime, sometimes it's easy just to go grab a salad. Or um, these days, you can do lettuce wrap sandwiches. Those are great. Um, uh, all right. Make sure you add some type of a, bring some type of a vegetable or a fruit for your lunch meal. Um, dinners are often times to just eat wonderful salads or steamed vegetables. And before you know it, you've got five vegetables and, and or fruits in every day. I mean, if, if that if that's all you could do was would be five vegetables or fruits a day, that's a huge because that also replaces five other things that you didn't eat. And that's exactly right. In fact, if you really think about your plate and um, divide it in in half, and then one of those halves divide in half as well. So you, if you've got this left side of your plate, and if you can fill half of your plate with fruits and vegetables. And then the other quarter would be some type of a protein, mm. and then the other quarter would be maybe some type of a whole grain, like a rice or a noodle or pasta or even a potato. But just a small portion. We have it all kind of reversed in this country. We eat so many um, heavy carbs and starchy foods over like a half the plate, when in fact that really should just be a smaller portion. Um, and that if you eat like that, then you can actually really enjoy some of your holiday foods and not feel so much guilt at all. Yeah. I mean, because really, if you've done that, then you might not have room for a lot of stuff anyway, but you could then probably have a little treat. Exactly. And it's okay to have a little treat, even every day if you want. I make um, my mother's, actually, it's my grandmother's caramel recipe. Mm. And although it's not on the blog, I haven't put it on there. Get it up there. Come on. At some point, I might throw it on the blog, but just as a sentimental thing, because it's definitely, there is nothing healthy about them. You know, it's butter and sugar and cream. And, um, but one of those a day, even a couple a day, you know, just gives me that nice um, kind of emotional, sentimental mm-hmm. feeling about the holidays. I have a real connection with those caramels and the holidays. And I allow myself a few of those every day and share them with friends. And, um, you know, and if I ate a whole pan of those yeah. every day, I would be sicker than a dog. But I really enjoy that. And And so if you can be selective, don't eat things that you... You know, you know they're not that great just for the sake of them being there. Like if there's cookies in the break room at work and and you take a little bite and you realize, oh, okay, well, these are good but not great. <laughs> um, you know, don't waste your calories. Um, find something even better, maybe even like that chocolate we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You, in fact, you brought that up that um, – This is kind of – you've got to know your temptation, right? But then you also have to be selective in knowing that you only have so many calories, so Mm -hmm. don't waste your calories. I mean if you want to go get a caramel, get a caramel. Make it work. Make it it a really good choice. Don't just waste your calories by trying everything. 
I, I agree. And I know that takes some discipline, you know, to decide, well, what is it I really, really want? So, um, like, if you're at a party and you know there's going to be an awesome dessert play, you know, awesome dessert table, but they're also serving, you know, um, finger foods in addition to that. So a good rule of thumb is to perhaps grab your plate, take a look at all of the food that's available there. Just kind of walk Mm. up and down the food aisles a little bit and decide what it is that is most important to you. Always look for the protein first. So if there's like little meatballs or chicken skewers or shrimp and um, grab those first on your plate. Then look for the fruits and vegetables. There probably always will be a big fruit tray or big vegetable tray. Always fill up my plate with those things. And then go sit down and enjoy your food away from the food table. Mm. Um, and then after you're done with that, go up to the dessert table and find something that's really, really, you know, looks really wonderful that you can't live without. And, and, you know, take a few of each and decide which ones you want to have and enjoy them. Enjoy each bite thoroughly, you know, enjoying the smells and the textures and the flavors. And so it's a real, you know, kind of um, sensual experience with that um, little dessert that you're eating. That way you can really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's actually it just for a minute there. I thought I was like cheating on my wife because it's it's such great advice that it's but you made it. It's it's intentional. It's a selection process, but I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the dessert bar and look at it, find out what I want most, and then and then make my pick. Be selective. Interesting insight, folks. Uh, we'll take a break. Go check out our website, InsideKaren'sKitchen.com. Great insight in how to uh, to manage your eating. Wonderful recipes there as well. Especially if um, if you're if you're trying to create a balanced. Uh, bariatric friendly recipe as well one of her specialties stick with us folks this is the matt townsend show we'll be right back This is the Matt Townsend Show. I know we're all already daydreaming about that turkey roasting in the oven, but we just heard some tips from Karen Mangum on how to stay healthy this Thanksgiving and with all the upcoming holiday feasts so that we do not do anything we regret. She makes it sound so easy, and maybe it is. I'm just really happy she didn't say we can't eat any sugar or any fat or any dairy or any calories because... I feel like I've been getting some mixed messages. But she said that we can allow ourselves to try things and to have some of our favorite treats, but to remember to maintain balance and limitations, meaning pack healthy lunches when you go to work, take the water instead of the soda, and make a balanced plate when you're eating at dinner tonight. I don't know about you, but I feel like the holidays actually motivate me to eat healthier because I kind of think of it like... A piggy bank. And I know every health coach out there is probably rolling their eyes at this, but I feel like every time I eat my edamame snack or my carrot sticks, then it's just giving me an excuse to, you know, then later on tonight I can eat a little bit more mashed potatoes or a little bit more turkey or a little more stuffing. And I think all those veggies that I've been trying to eat and be good about gives more room for all that buttery, sugary stuff I'm looking forward to. And that's probably not what Karen Mangum is saying at all. But there is one thing that she said that really did stick with me and I think I really did learn is that you're not supposed to eat at the food table. And I don't think I ever learned that growing up. At any party, you can literally find me and my husband just hovering over the food table the entire time because it's like one huge plate. It's so much more convenient than having to go and refill all the time. But yeah, I can see how that would lead to a lot of party binge eating. Thank you, Karen. Okay, so I want to switch gears a little bit now and play for you a really special segment on Thanksgiving. Feasting is not the only Thanksgiving tradition there is, and eating away from the food table is not the only healthy holiday habit. This next interview is actually an interview with Matt's own wife, Marty, and they have a family tradition that seems slightly excessively healthy to me. 
But I want you guys to feel a part of the family today. No matter where you are right now or what your life circumstance is, right now, the Matt Townsend Show is your family. So let's listen to this bit with Matt and Marty where they invite us into their lives and talk about some of their own Thanksgiving family traditions. Um, Now, Marty, uh, you started a weird tradition with your family many, many moons ago. That, yeah. That I have now. We we've been doing it differently since, like the last five years or so, I guess. Well, since your grandparents died. But why don't you explain the scenario? Okay. Well, when I was a teenager, actually, I think it started when I was when we were fifteen. But um, so thirty, almost thirty years ago. Okay, anyway, let's not give that away. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Too um, late. Far from 30 years, how about? <laughs> um, anyway, I, so we, we were supposed to eat at Grandma and Grandpa's house, which is in Bountiful, um, which is a 15-mile journey, um, mm. which we often ate there. But anyway, I, we weren't supposed to be there till like 3 in the afternoon, and I just remember one Thanksgiving morning thinking, wouldn't that be great to get, a, you know, to get some exercise in and I was kind of bored anyway, and I thought, well, I'm just going to see if someone wants to come walk, start walking with me. So I just, I think I got a brother or a sister, and we just started walking. And I think it, we made it down to Temple Square in Which Salt was Lake, roughly... Uh, which is about seven or eight miles. Eight miles you made it. And right. then, then you got picked up. Then we got picked up. By the and police then the next for... Year, yeah. Okay, walking on Thanksgiving. Um, so the next so year, so then the next year we did the same thing, and I think a couple more people joined us. I think my my mom or dad even came, or but then um, we decided to try to make it the whole way. I mean, and what? Then, how hard could fifteen miles be? Right, and so yeah, we made it. We did, and I think we limped like the last mile or two. Right, I think it, it was very difficult. But it was, we thought, how fun is that? So we just continued to do it every year. And then you, lucky guy, mm-hmm. got to join in. <laughs> Which is, I mean, a lot of people don't get such a great opportunity. That's right. But I did. That's, well, you know what? You know what we did? We burned off all our calories before we ate them. <laughs> yeah, but then we remembered we were, how we were so tired we couldn't eat, and they had to feed me through intravenous um, therapy. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> Now, do you remember, because this is what is pretty neat about it, uh, eventually it would get pretty big group, right? We'd get like 10, 12 people, 13 people going. Oh, we ended up taking all our kids in strollers and bundling them up in their snowsuits. Sometimes their it would snow. Yeah. That was fun. And we'd walk in like galoshes and we'd only get half as far. And then we also, there were some years we walked in shorts. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember? But... And I was wearing a tube top. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was a great year. And do you remember? Uh, so tell me what you remember. What was so great about this? We actually still do a version of this where every Thanksgiving we do a walk now. But ever since Grandma and Grandpa died, we kind of don't do the 15-mile walk. But I'll bet you we did it how many years? Six years? Oh, we probably did that. Oh, no, well, no, no, because you were 15 until... up till we had... Two kids, three kids. Oh, I mean, I bet 20 years. I don't oh, know for sure. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. And um, and we made it a lot. I mean, a lot of times we, we got there. And um, But tell me what you loved most about it. Because the neat thing we're talking about are rituals. And anything can be the ritual, right? But what yeah. did you love? Other well, than obviously hanging with it. me. A what? Other than hanging out with me and just holding my hand for five hours. <laughs> Um, I think the thing that stands out to me is just the conversations that I would have with each individual person. Like, I remember specific conversations I had with my dad or with a sister or a sister-in-law or one of our kids. Um, I just, just the bonding. I just think I look forward to Thanksgiving for that. We're outside, fresh air, getting exercise, and we're with the family. And you'd, oh. break, you'd break into groups because, like, when you're on the sidewalk, you couldn't all fit. So some would run ahead. Grandpa might run ahead. And then the grandkids would go up and be with Grandpa. And then they'd get to talk to Grandpa. It's just fun. And you'd rotate. I mean, there really were some great memories. We'd always stop at a gas station. There was a dive of a gas station on the way. And we'd always stay there and have to get sugared up. And um, 
But then do you remember, too, and I wasn't even going to tell you, I wasn't even going to get into this, but now that we're there, I remember, there was a time uh, that we were walking, and one time your dad was really far ahead. Do you remember this story? I don't know. He was Keep really going, far ahead please. of everybody, and he. we were downtown Salt Lake City in kind of the metro area, right downtown, and this man, this, um, like, a, like a, a poor, underprivileged homeless man walks by and uh, your dad and this man catch eyes and they just kind of nod heads and say hi to each other. And then uh, your dad was walking ahead and we all said hi to the man as he passed the rest of us. And as he, as we walked and walked and walked, I think it was you, I can't remember, or me, because we've kind of, our lives have become one. Uh one of us went there and we talked to your dad and when we got to your father, he was actually crying. Do you remember this? I, I, I don't, well, let but me I, it was probably the same trip that I had that we, yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember that specific thing, but keep going. So he was crying and this is what he taught me. And this, so this is like my great Thanksgiving lesson that came from my father-in-law doing this long trek. Uh, he, anyway, he taught all of us that he had this really weird epiphany as he walked by this homeless man. So here's a man walking with his entire family, multi-generations, and as he walked by this homeless man, he just had this incredible compassion and love for this guy. He doesn't know what it was. He just felt love for this guy and just loved the man and wished him the very best. And anyway, what it taught me that day is that, so here we sit, not even really fully appreciating how great we've got it. And yet in the end, um, there's so many people out there that don't have what we have and the importance of maybe being able to take some time once in a while to recognize them, look in their eyes and love people. Right. Yeah. That's neat. Do you remember the story? I just thought of that. I I hadn't thought of that forever. I don't, but I'm thinking it's the same trip as this one where we were asking each other um, if you could meet any person in history. Was that the same trip? I think it was. If you could meet any, my dad said, if you could meet any one person in history, either living or not living, or no, I think maybe, I think I asked him because my dad said, without question, Jesus Christ. But I just remember that whole journey down that South Temple just talking about why, you know, and just, um, anyway, that stuck with me forever. And it's just conversations like that that I think are so, you know, yeah. will live on and forever. Which was, so. which really, I guess, is the reason I wanted to talk about that tradition, because uh, the benefit of a tradition is that you we share our stories, and so to have a grandfather telling all of his grandkids that the number one thing he'd want to remember and the number one thing he's most grateful for uh, is loving other people and and his belief in Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons why I think we all ought to have some traditions. And a great time to do it is is on Thanksgiving. Make sure you spend some time with your uh, kids, your your loved ones. Make sure you open up some conversations and start asking some things that are more personal like that. This is also a great place to start sharing history, stories, traditions. Uh, you know, what did grandma and grandpa love to do? That The neat thing about those trips, Marty, if you remember, were the, um, the multi-generational. So gra- your grandpa was there, your dad was there, uh, you were there, and your kids were there. Four generations. Yeah. And then aunts started coming, do you remember? And then oh, yeah. when everyone got married, it was just, it's amazing. Yeah. And then all the spouses, yeah. Yeah, it's been huge. Do you also remember the neat thing is uh, the kids would pretty much run the 15 miles. Like your little brothers would run the entire thing. Oh, they'd run up 50 feet and then they'd come back to us and then they'd run up ahead. They ran 30 (laughs) miles that day. I know. (laughs) Do you remember? And then also, we also learned that you don't take a ball because a lot of the walking was downhill. And once you lose the ball on a hill, it goes. And we love <laughs> the ball. Like we end up finding the ball all the way downtown. Uh, well, Marty Dell, good job. Well, thanks for having me. That was pretty easy, wasn't it? Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, <laughs> you too. What are you going to do for Thanksgiving? Uh, walk. Really, have fun. That'll be great for you. <laughs> That'll be fun. Really fun. With We're, you. I was with just telling you and, and the kids. <laughs> no. Oh, just with, with me. 
We will drag you. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> I'll do it. And then we're going to also, we're going to St. George. We've been talking about that here. Where right. it's going to be warm and I'm going to get a tan. And, we, and we'll walk where we need to walk <laughs> in St. George. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'll just walk to the restaurant. Yes, we will. Okay. Love you. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Thanks. See you, you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. That's my wife, my queen, my better half, uh, who created a ritual of walking 15 miles even if it killed you. We lost and burnt 12,000 calories, and then we'd eat 300 because we were too tired to eat after the long walk. Please create some traditions and uh, find some time and a way for you to connect to your family. Remember, this you only get these chances every so often. So if you're going to be having time together as a family, you might want to do more than just watch a football game or just play video games. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. Today, I want you all to feel like you have somebody to celebrate this special holiday with. It's Thanksgiving, and we're thinking about family and traditions and gratitude. And we just finished a segment with Matt and his wife, Marty, of their own Thanksgiving tradition of walking 15 miles together as a family. And we also heard some of the lessons that they have learned from their loved ones during those conversations walking together. And that, to me, sounds like quite the challenge to walk 15 miles every Thanksgiving. But I know what they mean when they say it opens up the opportunity to just focus in on spending time with your loved ones and getting to know them on a whole new level and hear their thoughts and feelings of their hearts. Because I remember when I was living with a girl I hadn't known for very long in Japan, and we went to go visit some people we had recently met, and we went to serve them. But when we walked out of our apartment, we saw that it was a snowstorm outside. You could not see the sidewalks. It was freezing cold, and all the trains in Tokyo around the part that we lived were down. But we really wanted to visit these people. So we ended up walking in dresses in the freezing cold miles and miles. For all I know, it could have been 15 miles or more. I couldn't see the ground, so I have no idea. I just know that we were walking for hours. And when we finally arrived at the house, the family were visiting wasn't there. We had walked all the way for nothing. And we waited and waited in the cold and knocked and knocked. And finally, we got a text from them saying, oh, sorry, we forgot. We have plans. So all we could do was pack up and head back however many miles in the snowstorm back to our apartment. And at first you might think, what a complete waste of time. But it actually wasn't. That experience sticks out a lot in my mind because that night I got to know this girl I lived with more than I ever had before. We just got so busy with our tasks and responsibilities and these expectations we had that we hadn't really made time to just talk and get to know one another. And that five or so hours of walking really forced us to get talking and we got to know each other better and our friendship became stronger. And even those moments when we weren't talking, when we were just walking in silence, I felt like we bonded. So I agree with Matt and Marty. Those moments really do matter. The holiday season is a really special time to take advantage of moments like that. There's a really special atmosphere about the holiday season. And if it hasn't already started for you, then it starts today. So we are going to listen to an interview next with Jeff Thompson about how we can use those holiday moments like that to strengthen our relationships. So... What uh, what what do you think? How should we be approaching this family gathering? Well, Thanksgiving or any holiday is sort of a it's an opportunity for a fresh start. As as you mentioned, you know there can be drama. It can be uh, it can be complex, uh, but it also provides a time when uh, when people are maybe coming together and thinking about higher ideals, thinking about gratitude and togetherness. So if you ever are going to fix a relationship or strengthen it, uh, a holiday is probably a, as good of a chance as you get as, uh, uh, of any chance 
to um, to sort of start on on your best behavior. It kind of is. A, it is. Way. It's like a natural um, transition point, isn't it? Can be for sure. Because it's yeah. I mean, you haven't seen each other. Now you're back together. It, it also seems like a lot of us uh, seem to live out of the past with each other, and that past seems to get us stuck. Like I just remember you as the mean brother. Right. Instead of the fact that, you know, you've got a family and you're you're a great professor. I mean, but if all of a sudden you're just my the guy that used to taunt me and beat me up as a kid, you know, we're probably going to be doomed to that past. Yeah, you know, and there there may be a time to sit down and deal with those past issues. Uh, but generally speaking, when you need to deal with a sticky issue with an individual, uh, it's best to do that in private, so you don't involve a public audience, which makes people feel awkward and, and yeah. makes you feel judged by more than just the other person. So around the Thanksgiving table is probably not the time to bring up that moment when your brother was mean to you. <laughs> if you really feel you need to address that, that's probably a sidebar conversation in a safe, quiet environment. That's powerful. In fact, I, while you were saying that, I looked up the definition um, of forgive, and it says to cease to blame or hold resentment against someone or something, mm-hmm. to grant pardon for a mistake or a wrongdoing, or to free or pardon someone from penalty, to free mm-hmm. from the obligation, um, to renounce anger or resentment, to absolve from payment. And it's interesting. It seems like who you're freeing, as, you're, as you got into this part, uh, this, this role you were playing, who you were freeing was you. That's how it works. It really is. As we forgive when we free someone else up, we also free ourselves of of the resentment and the bitterness that we may be holding on to. Yeah. Man, that's a pretty good lesson. Well, I benefited by it, so... <laughs> any any insight as to, uh, you know, in the therapy world and in the communication world, they call that taking the place of other and, and trying to figure out, literally trying to get in their place and, and so you can feel a sense of empathy. How? What are some ways that you've found... So as somebody's sitting there thinking, look, I got to go face, you know, a brother that hurt me or did something harmful or a mother that wasn't quite there for me. What are some ways that you found um, to get to take to get into this other person? Yeah, let me uh, borrow a concept from uh, the book Crucial Conversations yeah. uh, by Kerry Patterson and his colleagues. It's a fantastic guide to dealing with uh, with difficult situations. And one of the tools that they talk about is. Um, uh, is, is first of all to to ask yourself this question: Why would a reasonable, reasonable, rational person behave this way? Hmm. Generally, when we dislike someone, we immediately say they're crazy. Or in that case, they're irrational, and that justifies us into feeling okay about our bitterness and resentment. But if we stop and say, Why would a reasonable, rational person behave in this way? Then we open ourselves up to a story that that might explain how they got to their behavior. That doesn't mean that we have to agree with what they're doing right. or even say that their, their path to that behavior uh, is, uh, is the right path, but we can start to recognize that there may be reasons for the behavior. Those reasons may involve misperceptions of things I did, they're misreading me, and, but, but as soon as I give them credit for being a reasonable human being, it's only then that I can start to understand why they are the way they are. Right. And then and then you you get to one of the benefits of, I guess, our thinking, releasing our thinking that way and choosing to see them more positively is then we, we can choose to interpret their behavior more healthy or normal or, I mean, everybody's done something mean. And... Um, I guess if we can if we can see them more positively, we'll eventually interpret them more positively. We'll probably feel more positively, and then we can hopefully during the holiday act more positively. Yeah, right. You know, and one of the things that Patterson and his colleagues talk about that I, I just love this idea too is um, is when someone expresses behavior that sort of surprises you or you feel attacked, uh, instead of choosing an emotional response, uh, instead you can respond by saying. Well, isn't that interesting? You can get really curious and say, hmm, I'm going to put my detective cap on and figure out how this person got to this place. Yeah. One of the things they say is when someone gets furious, you get curious. <laughs> and curiosity, if you're, if, you're, 
if you're uh, focused on curiosity, then you don't have time to be mad or offended. Right. Uh, you just become a better listener because you want to get to the bottom of this behavior you don't understand. And I think if in our families we spent more time being curious about one another rather than reactive, uh, we, we'd probably find things are a lot more pleasant around the Thanksgiving table. Oh, don't you think? I mean, how many times you already know what, yeah, you're finishing each other's sentences. You are, you already assume you know exactly how this is going to go. And, and then we just stay stuck in those patterns. Good stuff, Jeff. Anything else? Anything else we need to know? We need to be doing just to make sure we get through the holiday without a problem. Sure. Well, you had mentioned service earlier and, and I, I, I could spend a lot of time talking in research about how helping someone else changes our perception. It makes us, it changes our motives. And, and so I think when it comes to overcoming bad blood, um, being the first one to offer a hand of help is just huge. In fact, I'm thinking of one of the people that I had misjudged a few months ago, um, and I found him not very likable. And, uh, and then suddenly he asked me to do something to help him. And I said, sure. And I found that as I helped him, I started liking him no, rather weird. than rather than being resentful because I, because he was grateful to me and he expressed that gratitude and and suddenly the behavior that was driving everyone else around me crazy no longer drove me crazy because yeah. I was I was lending him a hand and so I was invested in him. Powerful. I mean, really, that is and there's such a good thing here. I mean, if you're tired of. The conversation at the table, get up, go serve everybody, go start doing the dishes, go start playing with the kids, go. I mean, there's there's a million little places to work at these yeah. family gatherings. So there's your shock value, Matt. If you really want to shake things up at the Thanksgiving table, <laughs> um, start being really nice and helpful to the people that uh, that, that are mad at you. And That's right. Watch, watch their jaws drop. I'll go out and watch the, wash their car. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> there like, you go. They'll come out. Get away from my car. <laughs> Dr. Jeff Thompson, uh, he, again, he, he, he never, you know, ceases to amaze. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you're kind, man. You Thank laugh. you. We're going to have you on again, Dr. Jeff Thompson. Uh, you Look can, forward to it. You, uh, again, you really, we really appreciate your insight, and we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving with your family. Same to you. Take care. Well, appreciate bye. everybody listening. We'll take a break. Thanks for listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We're so glad you're joining us on this Thanksgiving day, and we really want to make it special for you. We've talked about some of Matt's Thanksgiving traditions, and we just got done with an interview with Jeff Thompson about how to use the holidays to strengthen our relationships. And I think it is such a profound perspective. I hadn't really thought about it the way that Jeff put it. You know, there are a lot of flaws that come with the holidays, just like any time of the year. You know, families don't get along. You might be running out of money. You don't want to take off work and travel and chat with people you never see. But Jeff said that instead of just trying to get through the holidays, maybe we should take advantage of them. Although they come at the end of the year, the holidays are really a time of new beginnings and remembrance and love and warmth, which inspire people to change and improve themselves. And there's this feeling in the air that makes people drawn to one another and want to help and perhaps heal old wounds. I love how he reminded us that before we put up our defensive walls at the dinner table tonight, when we face our distant in-laws or our crazy uncles or our disowned siblings, we don't get to judge. We just get to love. The easy thing to do tonight at dinner is probably to just ignore those people you'd rather not talk with or share your pie with. But maybe the right thing to do is try to put yourself in their shoes, dig into their background, try to understand the why behind their actions. When Jeff was talking about that, it reminded me of this experience that I had last summer working in the refugee camps in Greece. I met this man from Syria who had his entire hometown bombed out and he was separated from his family and he had lost his job and he had had a really rough journey fleeing his country 
And when I asked him what message he would give to others, he said, don't just think people are bad because of what they do. Find out why. He was saying that we should figure out people's motives and their background and their history and that there's usually something that drives people to do bad things. They're not bad innately. I thought that was so extremely humble of him to not necessarily blame those who had bombed his city and taken his home and his family, but rather to see them as humans and give them the benefit of the doubt and realize that it wasn't his place to judge them. I think that is such a powerful message to remember this holiday season. Thanksgiving is a perfect name for what we are doing tonight. It's not just being grateful and thankful for our blessings and all that we have, but also giving to others as well. Opening our hearts in love and acceptance and serving those around us. So that's what I want to close today's episode with. This last segment is with Jenny Layton all about service and how to teach your kids the spirit of service and incorporate it more into your home. Talk to us about service, though. We've got to get back to that. You, uh, your mom, you've got a bunch of kids home right now, and you're trying to instill in their heart, in their psyche, the importance of serving others. How do we do that? Okay, yeah, there's a couple things I'd love to talk about. Those organized service projects are a great one. But so I've got this stretch of kids from toddler to teenager, Mm -hmm. and I'm starting to see how the little ones will jump on board with almost anything. Yeah, sure. The older ones, you've kind of got to be strategic and spin things a little bit, Uh you know. And so I've got this great idea I've come up with that we're working on implementing with our family where the kids still like to go out on dates with us, even the older ones, because it means food. It means like a restaurant and good food. So um, we're, we're trying to alternate every other month where we're going to do just something fun, you know, a movie and dinner or, I don't know, something fun and dinner. And then on a, another month, we're going to pick a, a service um, organization to be aligned with so that we're not just doing a one-and-done type of thing, but we're getting, um, you know, investing some, some time in an organization and getting to know the people and, and being able to see the impact over time. That's great. And, I think that's a really fun way to open your kids' eyes to others' needs and different life situations and help them really see how blessed they are and and also increase that, that feeling, those good feelings. I, I see it. In fact, it's so amazing. Just thinking about this show today, I thought how some kids just get service and they get work. They just get it. They've done it. Mm-hmm. They know how to just – and um, like I have my son-in-law – and his family, his name is Brady, and um, but his family, they just know how to work, and mm-hmm. they all hop up after a dinner, and they and I'm sure it's, they're not perfect, but they'll all go out and work in the yard. They're not afraid to work. My kids seem to almost I don't know. It's like they have post traumatic work disorder, <laughs> and it's like they must have had a really bad work experience <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> But they don't they don't get the service. And so this idea that that you're going to like have a have a service project, even an informal thing of if we're going to go play at the park, let's spend a few minutes just cleaning up the park, too. Yeah. I mean, you can always throw it in there. So I think there's some really um, good uh, guidelines you can use as you're planning a service project for your family. And one of those absolutely is to consider what are your family's interests? Because if you have a really athletic family, a really outdoorsy family, then maybe something aligned with the parks and recs department of your city, you might be able to uh, help them with like, like you said, picking up trash at the park or helping um, organize soccer balls before they pass them out for the rec program or whatever that is that would, would, make your kids naturally want to be a part of it and, and cultivate their interests um, that way. So I think that's a really good way to start is to look at your family's interests or if you're a real artsy family, is there a museum that you can raise money for or volunteer in or something? Um, yeah. I think I think that's important to do. I think it's also pretty important, too, to let the kids do as much of the legwork as they can and, and not arrange everything to the point that um, they just show up and do their part, like if they can help make phone calls or if they can help brainstorm what's needed or if they can help with the sub for Santa that they're helping to earn the money and it's not just mom and dad paying it and the kids hopping in the car 
and going and helping deliver the presents or whatever. Yeah. I think that's kind of important too. Well, and you, you know where you figure this out. I One of my kids um, just finished, actually two of them finished Eagle Scout Projects. Mm. which is a big community service opportunity. And Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, you realize, though, what your children know and what they don't know. Like even just organizing something like that, boy, you realize, no, you have to actually call people. And you have to write, no, did you write that down? Oh, you didn't write that down. Okay, all right, well, do you know the person's name that you talked to? Oh, you don't? Okay. And um, so it feels like – but the funny thing is is we just can't assume the teachers are going to teach this and that they're just going to get it. This is your job, parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they have to actually talk to somebody and not just text them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, that, that's what's so amazing because one time, you know, no one shows up. Yeah. And then yeah. – then, then I know. So that's, that's a really – that's a huge benefit, I think, of doing those organized service projects. And I think another thing that's really helpful, too, is if you can help them get some feel for the the people that they're serving and what their life's like so that it's not just hungry kids in Africa, but you can somehow help them real know a real story yeah. about those people so that they can connect to that personally. You know, like what would that be like for you? And really talking about it afterwards, too. How do you think those people felt? when they got their first really good meal in a whole day or a whole week or whatever it is. I love that. Um, maybe help solidify that experience a little bit. Well, that's, um, again, I j- it seems like it's a no-brainer, but I'm sure there's very few families that are out there doing that. We, we kind mm-hmm. of, it seems like we, we, we worry about the homeless and those that need support and help, usually around the holidays. Yeah. And it's, it's you <laughs> know, so if, if we're only going to think about them on holidays... It might be a good one to think about them on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's the key with anything is if it's a priority, it has to be scheduled in. And so I think you just have to, it, it's like exercise. It's like anything else. If it's not a part of your regular life, it's probably not going to just happen. Yeah. So I think when you're hearing something like this, you feel inspired and motivated about it. You then go, okay, where am I going to insert this in my calendar, in my life? Because if I don't, it's going to be like all the other good ideas that kind of come and go. And it doesn't need to be a burden either, right? I mean, it's like, oh, great. Mom's going to ruin this with service. (laughs) This was going to be the best day at the park, and now mom's going to ruin it. It doesn't have to be. It could be be subtle. Yeah. And that's, you know what, that's another thing I kind of wanted to talk about is I love the idea of big service projects, but really – um, establishing a culture of service in your family comes from how you treat each other on a daily basis. And so I think you can be subtle, and I think you can also implement a few practices in your home that might help encourage that as well. And so speaking of subtle, you know, it could just be something like um, planning a little surprise, like, you know what, let's go down and make your sister's bed and just see what she does. Mm. Or... Um, you know, what if you gave someone else a turn to have the pick of where we're going to go eat or something like that? Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a tough sell, but a few times doing it, they're going to feel something and they'll want to repeat that. That's great. Well, I mean, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden the service is, you know, it's in your it's it's in your talk. It's in your dinner. We talk about it at dinner. And what if you could get them to catch on to the spirit of I'm going to give back to my sister? Wow. Heaven mm-hmm. forbid, instead of maybe instead of fighting and, mm-hmm. you know, hurting each other, then we might end up serving, helping each other. Powerful. Bringing it back home is, is really where the real value is going to be. That's great that they can go out of the home and have those experiences. But coming back to everyday normal life, that's where you want them to be able to implement it. And I just really want to also say that it's, it's great for us to want to teach our kids these things, but where it's going to flow naturally and really happen is when we've got that spirit of service in ourselves. And so when we are naturally looking for ways to help people, we can have our kids tag along and they're going to pick up on it. It's going to feel so much more legitimate and sincere if they know that you're seriously looking for times and opportunities and ways to serve others in the family and outside of the family as well. You know, that's, that's it, isn't it? it again, and, but we're so tired, Jen. We're so tired. Do you know how hard it is to eat a bag of chips and then get up and go do service? We're yeah. so tired. No, actually, because I, I only have it in moderation. So. Oh, wow. Look at you. Ms. La-di-da. 
<laughs> You're such hey, a wanna, braggart. Can I can I share? I, there is this resource I really want to give to families. Yeah. One of the struggles that I had, especially when my kids were a little younger, was, okay, I can't take a five-year-old and an eight-year-old to the homeless shelter. So how can I do something that little kids can also do? I found this great book. There's this author named Marilee Boyack, and she does some really great parenting yeah. stuff. I wish I'd written all of her stuff. I feel it just matches my style really well. But there's this great book called 52 Weeks of Fun Family Service, and it has really great ideas that you can work into younger families as well. And that was such a great resource for me when my kids were all really little. Oh, cool, yeah. They can find it on my blog, thehappygal.com. That's the easiest way to get it. Go to thehappygal.com. And um, Marilee Boyack is her name. What was the name of the book again? 52 Weeks of Fun Family Service. I mean, seriously, if we're going to teach our kids one thing, it seems like service would be up there. Yeah, right at the top. Yeah. Yep. A lot of other good things will be born of that. Well, I think you're a great resource, Jen. What a great piece of advice Jenny just gave us there. That it's great if your kids know how to go out and serve other people in the world and in the community. But where it really pays off is if they know how to come back and implement their service in their own home. And I think we can each look for those opportunities tonight as our family gathers around the table. She said that you establish a culture of service in your own life and within your own family by treating each other with kindness on a daily basis. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, let's all reach out to someone tonight and reconnect and rekindle old friendships and heal old wounds. I hope that you all feel the spirit of the holiday tonight. Maybe today isn't your favorite day. Maybe it's full of hurt from the past or it was just a bad day. Maybe it has been a bad year full of twists and turns. But know that there are a lot of people grateful for you today and that you make a difference in this world. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'm so glad that we got to join you for this holiday, and I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. I'm Liana Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend.